now your host, Caleb Ivy. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome in to the Fantasy Brew Review. I'm your host, Caleb Ivey. Thank you so much for joining in. This is a show where we talk about fantasy football, we review a few brews, and we follow along with Dr. Adot in his fantasy quest. We had the very first episode of Dr. Adot in the last episode, and if you missed it, do not fret. You will be able to listen to it again at the end of this episode. But until then, let's get into the brew review. For today's brew review, we have a fresh-pressed mango pineapple guava wheat ale. Let me repeat that for you one more time. A fresh-pressed Mango Pineapple Guava Wheat Ale. And it is from Wicked Weed Brewing out of Asheville, North Carolina. And this beer really tickled my fancy. I'm a fan. Very fruity and flavorful. Very refreshing. It's the perfect beer for... I know we're at the end of summer now. But it's the perfect beer for a lake day. That's just kind of what I pictured in my head while I was drinking it. And I'm going to give it an 8.6, which I do believe brings it to second place on the very official Brew Review scale. I liked it a lot, Wicked Weed. Cheers. Well done. Let's talk some football. Coming up next, for your listening pleasure, a new sports craze that is sweeping the nation, American football. For this episode, we are going to do a little bit of trade talk, which is honestly my favorite part of fantasy football. If you ask anyone that I'm in a league with, I send way too many trade offers, uh, constantly. A trade a day keeps the sacco away as they say. But I'm going to be giving you a few players at each position that I believe are good buy-low candidates and who you can go out and target, and a few who are sell-high candidates that you should probably ship off before the bottom falls out. Or they're just at their peak and you can get something for them. But first, I want to give you a few little tips on trading in general. Number one, if you are newer to fantasy football and are still kind of familiarizing yourself with how to value certain players and positions, go find a trade chart. Or even if you're not new at all. I use trade charts all the time, honestly. One of my favorites is the CBS trade value chart done by Dave Richards. There's also another one by numberfire.com that I use from time to time as well. And you don't have to take the trade chart as gospel but it's nice to be able to put a number value on players, especially if you're trying to make a package trade. And there have even been times where maybe I don't agree with the number value of a certain player in the chart, and you can bump them up or down in the rankings to where you see fit, and then go from there. You also don't have to feel like the numbers need to add up exactly. It's a ballpark. I don't have a problem with overspending according to the chart, if it's a situation where I'm significantly upgrading a starter and I'm sending off some 
bench players or something to sweeten the deal. You know, something like that. And tip number two, the key to making a successful trade is just as much determining what your trade partner needs as much as it is determining what you need. Oftentimes when I'm looking to make a trade, I'll look at my lineup and ask myself, what do I have too much of? What am I willing to trade away? And let's say for this hypothetical scenario that I'm loaded at receiver. I just can't play all the good receivers. So I'll scroll through the teams in my league and see who needs a receiver. In my opinion, this is a key important step that fantasy managers can miss from time to time. It doesn't matter if the value matches up perfectly with the player you are trying to give and the player you are trying to acquire if the other team doesn't actually need that player. That'll just lead to a lot of frustration in your trade talks. And maybe they don't have a player that you want who is in the same range as the player that you were trying to sell. Turn it into a package deal. For example, give up a wide receiver too who is sitting on your bench and your running back too who you have as a starter to get an upgrade at the running back position. Alright, enough of my rant. Let's start off with some buys at the running back position. I'm going to call this the Studs and Clyde. And by studs, I mean Alvin Kamara and Antonio Gibson. And by Clyde, I mean Clyde Edwards-Alaire. And the reasoning is pretty simple. All of these guys have underperformed, and I would expect them to do better going forward. For Alvin Kamara, the Saints' offense exploded in Week 1 and laid a big stinker in Week 2, both of which were on entirely opposite ends of the spectrum. And I would expect them to wind up landing somewhere in the middle. And even if they aren't a great offense, Alvin Kamara should be the top pass catcher on the team, at least until Michael Thomas returns. Now, I don't know how many people are actually freaking out on Kamara, but plenty of people, it seems, have a mild concern. You aren't going to be able to just go out and steal him more than likely, but every little bit of leverage you can get helps. For Gibson and Clyde, expectations may need to be adjusted a bit, but they're still solid buy-low options. Most drafted Gibson, with at least the hope, that he may overtake McKissick for some of the pass-catching work, and that the Washington offense would be greatly improved with Ryan Fitzpatrick under center. Well, after two weeks at least, McKissick is getting plenty of work, and Fitzpatrick is out with a significant hip injury. However, better days are still ahead for Gibson. He may not have that top-five upside that many had hoped for, but I would still expect him to see virtually all of the goal line work, some passing work, and Taylor Heineke has looked like a capable quarterback through a game and a half of action. For Clyde Edwards-Alaire, the production just hasn't been there, and people are fed up. And understandably so. But the fact remains that he is the starting running back on an extremely high-powered offense, who, albeit, with Patrick Mahomes at the helm, has the capability to win without running the ball as much as fantasy managers would like, but Clyde will still have his games. So, I'm not trying to get him at cost from where he was drafted, or even close to it. This is more of a situation where some fantasy managers are completely O-U-T on Clyde, 
and you may be able to snag him on the cheap to throw into your flex spot. Now for a few sell-high running backs. Tony Pollard and Melvin Gordon. Currently, the running backs 11 and 13 in half PPR. Let's start with Tony. Just to be clear right off the bat, I don't think he's a bad guy to have on your roster. He should still be plenty involved in the offense and whatnot, and if Zeke ever missed time, he would be incredible. But if Zeke doesn't miss time, Tony also could have just had his best game of the season. The fact of the matter is that he's still the backup running back on his own team. Tony Pollard has looked great so far. You could argue that he's looked better than Ezekiel Elliott. But that doesn't mean that Zeke has looked bad either. And with the amount that Zeke is being paid, he isn't going anywhere. If there is someone in your league who believes that Pollard is going to overtake Zeke and is willing to give you a starter for him, I'm willing to sell. For Melvin Gordon, he is in an exact 50-50 timeshare with rookie Javante Williams so far. The production hasn't really been there for either, outside of a 70-yard touchdown run by Melvin Gordon. And not to try and take away from Melvin Gordon. Obviously, that's a play that he's capable of making, because he did it. But a 70-yard touchdown run can also greatly skew an already small sample size. If you remove that one run, Gordon is averaging 2.69 yards per carry. Not too great. I also think the fact that he started the season already in a 50-50 timeshare with the rookie, Javante, doesn't bode well going forward. Because Javante is the future of the team. And my bet would be that Javante becomes the leader in the backfield sooner rather than later. Or at the very least, it stays a split backfield. Either way, I don't really see a path for the carries going in favor of Melvin Gordon. Let me also add that I think Gordon could have a decent game this week against the Jets. So, if you want to play him one more week before you sell, you could probably get away with it. Let's move on to a few receivers. The two buy-low receivers that we're going to talk about are Allen Robinson and Stefan Diggs. Let's start with Allen. Currently, the wide receiver 57 in half PPR. First off, Allen has a history of being a great receiver no matter his situation. I don't think anyone is worried about the talent. Week 1, he saw 11 targets, but for only 6 catches and 35 yards against a very stout Rams defense. And Week 2 was weird. Andy Dalton was injured and Justin Fields had to come into the game. Which, yes, everyone is excited about Justin Fields. But him coming in halfway through a game is much different than him getting a week to prepare as the starter like he'll have this upcoming week. Robinson also dropped a touchdown pass in the game, which would have made his numbers look a good deal better. So if you have Robinson, don't panic. If you don't, go buy him. Stefan Diggs has also gotten off to a slow start. Josh Allen has just been a little bit off the first few weeks. But Diggs is getting the targets. He is still the clear top option on his team. And if the Diggs manager is concerned at all, now is the time to buy before he inevitably blows up with a big week. And here is a little bonus buy low. Go check in on the Michael Thomas manager. If they're 0-2 and they need some help, they may be willing to part ways with him for a low-end starter. 
Now, for the sell-high receivers, I'm going to go with Marquise Brown and Debo Samuel. And really, both for almost the exact same reason. They have been far and away the top targets on their teams, and I expect other guys to get involved. For Marquise Brown, Mark Andrews hasn't been very involved in the offense as of yet this season, and rookie first-round pick Rashad Bateman is eligible to come off of IR in Week 4. Side note, go ahead and pick up Bateman. For Debo Samuel, stud tight end George Kittle, who we'll talk about in a moment, hasn't been very involved. And, even with the weird start to the season, I still believe that Brandon Ayuk will get worked back into this offense. Maybe not to the extent that we'd hoped for in the preseason, but I think he has too much talent to stay a non-factor for the entire season. These are both situations where I don't think either guy is going to just fall off of the map or anything like that. But, if you can sell them based off of the production that they've put up so far, I would go for it. And since we just talked about Debo, let's go ahead and transition into the first tight end by low, who we just mentioned, George Kittle. I am a huge, real-life Kittle fan. Talent-wise, I think he is easily the closest to rivaling Travis Kelsey. He's on the field for nearly every snap, and I just don't see any way that he isn't involved in the game plan going forward. And he is one of the few tight ends who, even if his targets are a bit down from what we expected, he has that elite, big-play-after-the-catch ability. He doesn't necessarily have to have the volume to be successful, like a lot of other tight ends do. I'm not really overthinking this one. Just go buy him. The other buy low that I have on my list is Kyle Pitts. There was a lot of talk in the preseason about how about how rookie tight ends never produce, and, and there's no way that he could meet draft capital expectations. And that's probably true. But with his slow start... I don't think you have to spend 4th, 5th round draft capital to go and get him. And I'm not even going to lie. I was totally out on Pitts in the draft process. But after seeing how they're using him, I've been trying hard to buy him. He's lining up out wide and in the slot a ton, and basically being used as the wide receiver too behind Calvin Ridley. The targets have been there, and I would expect the production to follow. I'm buying Pitts. For my sell high, I'm going Gronk. I feel like this one may be a bit polarizing. Because tight end sucks. And it feels gross to sell a tight end that's producing. So, here's my caveat. This is a situation where either you drafted another solid tight end and just picked Gronk up off of waivers, or you're getting another tight end in return in the trade. I'm not telling you to leave yourself without a tight end. I think Gronk stays plenty relevant in the Tampa offense, but so far, all of the touchdowns are falling his way, and there are a lot of mouths to feed in that offense. If I can flip Gronk for Kittle, or Pitts plus something, or Fant plus something really nice, I'm for it. Let's talk about some quarterbacks. For my buy lows, Justin Herbert. That's it. He's a stud quarterback. He's been playing well. He's thrown for over 330 yards in each of the first two weeks. And really, the touchdowns just haven't gone his way so far. 
He's also thrown a few interceptions in the red zone, but I'm really not too concerned. I said Herbert was it, but I'm going to throw in a little bonus Trey Lance in here as well. And this is kind of similar to the Michael Thomas situation. Check in and see how the Lance manager's team is doing. I've seen people asking if they should drop Lance. And to be fair, there's certainly the chance that he doesn't get the starting job this year. So I'm not paying a lot for him. But if you can snag him as a throw-in piece in part of a larger trade, and you have the bench space, he has league-winning upside because of his rushing ability if he were to become the starter. And my sell-high quarterback is Tom Brady. I understand, like Gronk, this one may be a bit polarizing, but here's the deal. Every single Tampa Bay offensive touchdown thus far has been a passing touchdown from Tom Brady, which is great. He's a great quarterback. But at some point, there'll be some rushing touchdowns as well. And Brady doesn't give you a rushing floor at all. Again, this isn't a situation where I'm going to trade him just for the heck of it. But he's the quarterback three in points per game right now. And if I can find someone who is willing to pay top dollar, I'm for it. Maybe you could get a Herbert plus a startable receiver. Or trade Brady straight up for a decent starter. Especially if you have access to a Cousins or a Carr on the waiver wire. Because quarterback still remains a replaceable position if you're willing to put in the time to find the right matchups when you're streaming. And that is going to be it for me on the Fantasy Brew Review, folks. Thank you so much for joining in. If you enjoyed the show, please help me out and leave a review. Share my post about the show on Twitter. Tell your mama and your daddy and your little brother about the show. It would help me out a ton. If you have any questions for the show, or would like to recommend some beer or coffee for the show, you can hit me up on Twitter at the FF Brew Review. Review spelled R-E-V-U-E, just to complicate things. You can also recommend brews on fantasybrewreview.com. And don't forget to hang around for another few minutes to hear a rerun of Episode 1 of Dr. Adot and the Fantasy Quest. Hope you all enjoyed the show, and best of luck in your fantasy matchups this week. Dr. Anthony Dot, or Dr. Adot, as he was known by his peers, had once been a happy man, beloved by his family, friends, and co-workers for his winning smile and adventurous disposition. That is until a dark and gloomy night in early January. The very thing that kept him going. His most prized possession, his life's work and purpose for his very existence was stolen right out from under his nose. His fantasy title. Over the next several years, Dr. Adot spent the vast majority of his time in his lab, pouring all of his time and energy into building the perfect fantasy lineup. And that is where we find our protagonist now. It is 3 a.m. on a stormy night. Dr. Adot is alone in his lab, as he usually is, toiling over past failed experiments and strategies.
zero running back strategy? No. Late round quarterback? No. No. Mind control? No. No. What is it? What is the secret? They would just assume everyone believed this was some random game of chance. Ridiculous. There is a perfect strategy, and I am going to find it. Unless they're right. Maybe I am the one who is playing the fool. Dot sat at his desk, head in his hands, contemplating his retirement from the game of fantasy football, contemplating bringing his years of research to a screeching halt, and abandoning all hope. He stood up and walked over to a filing cabinet, and opened one of the many drawers labeled Very Important Fantasy Football Files, took out the contents, and dropped them into a waste bin. Dr. Adot then reached into his lab coat and pulled out a large pack of matches. He lit one. With a tear in his eye, he went to drop the match into the waste bin. Well, I suppose this is the end of the line. Just in that moment, the whooshing sound of paper came from under his lab door. He blew out the match and walked slowly towards the door, picking up a manila envelope and reading what was written on it aloud. The key to your lineups lies in the past. You have until sunrise, so you better act fast. Another great mind has found the answers you seek. An adventure awaits, but it is not for the meek. You hold in your hand one answer of here are your hints. Bronze, silver, and gold. What in the world does any of this mean? Dr. Adot reached into the envelope and pulled out two more pieces of paper. One was a small piece of paper, torn from a notepad. The only things written on it were a down arrow and the letter B. The other paper that he pulled from the envelope was a piece of parchment that was blank. It looked old. Very, very old. Dr. Adot placed the clues on his desk and went to make another pot of coffee. It was going to be a long night. Tune in to the Fantasy Brew Review to follow along with Dr. Adot and his quest to build the perfect fantasy lineup.